the best shape. If you, if you gave me a magic stick and say, okay, build your body the way you want it to be faster, I would build a skinny upper body, mm. even if it's not cool for, you know, beach. Instagram. You know, and show and so on. Instagram. So skinny upper body, very strong, but not big core muscles and very strong, but not big uh, um, uh, thigh and, and posterior chain muscles and very stiff soleus and, and ankle muscles. Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share stories, lessons, and experiences in sports performance and professional development. I'm your host, Matt Tomitz, and today I'm joined by the Dr. J.B. Marin. Never thought I'd be saying that, but how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, really good time in autumn, so everything okay. Fantastic. I'm super excited to get into it. And on the very small off chance that you don't know who J.B. Marin is, I'll give a little quick intro background. J.B. Marin is the first guy that I think of when it comes to speed research numbers, like just the scientific side of speed development. He has over 300 publications, at least uh, relative to ResearchGate. He is super open in sharing his information, his Excel documents, all of that stuff. And it's just the guy that it is when it comes to speed. So just myself being a sports performance coach with the speed emphasis, having a research background, I definitely appreciate all of the work you do. And I'm excited to, to kind of hear something probably a little bit different about your background and career. So without further ado, what is the craziest slash coolest story you have thus far in your career? So basically, if you had to tell just one, what would it be? Yes, so thank you for having me and, and sharing uh, some pretty different stuff. Um, I think the coolest thing I've, I've seen in my career so far is, uh, is an elite athlete performing. Um, we were pretty intrigued by this uh, first white guy to run faster than 10 seconds on the 100 meter. He was a oh. French guy. His name was Christophe Lemaitre. And uh, just a few months after he did 9.92, that was the French record, and that was uh, really very fast. He hit the news all over the, the world for being the first, you know, non-Black or Afro-origin guy and blah, blah, blah. And I was not impressed by that specifically because uh, some Russian guys in the 60s could have run that fast. And they, But what was really striking to me is that this guy did 9.92 with zero, nothing, nada, type of strength training so he was doing some bounding some jumps but he never did any squat press and so on and so i was impressed because we were lucky enough to directly measure some things on this guy and i saw this almost two meter high guy very tall guy thin cycling on the on the on the cycle ergometer and hitting more than 200 rotations per minute Wow. during the cycling sprint and so when you see this format this you know this super tall guy rotating the legs more than 205 rpms and you're one meter behind you're like we are watching something that that's big and so it was also um, a game changer for me in my career because at that time we had some uh, hypotheses on sprint performances and this guy were was exactly uh fitting with these hypotheses but that was the most striking thing i ever seen i feel like now that coaching is kind of entering this whole 
non just meathead or more progressive or more speed oriented kind of mindset as like a field. I hate speaking in cliches and generalities, but everyone knows what I mean. Everyone had every coach has that one moment where that's kind of a big realization for them. And I recently had one like that where I was just, I was working out, I was doing hang snatches and our intern, he came up to me and he's like, I see our high schoolers like hang snatch, but then I watched you and like, that's how it's supposed to be done. Cause I'm, I'm older. I'm heavier than most of them. I've done Olympic lifting for a while. And it was just really interesting because I run an okay time, you know, like nothing slow, nothing fast, but I like hang snatch way better than them. And then this intern was like losing his mind, how it like good it looked. But I'm like, but then those bad snatch kids are still faster than me. So then it was kind of just like this like interesting light bulb moment. So I guess a follow-up on your story. So besides obviously the 992 and the ergometer RPMs, and obviously not the strength numbers, but when it came time to assess or dive a little bit deeper, what things kind of also jumped off the chart that you expected, but also that you didn't expect? So on that guy specifically, uh, what we expected is that he didn't have a, um, a huge force output capability, but we expected him to have a very, very efficient uh, orientation of that push onto the ground because mathematically it's not possible either way. So if you don't have a big amount of ground force output, this force output has to be very, very, very efficiently applied onto the ground. And that's exactly what we measured. I think it's the guy with the, with the best, we call that the ratio of force that mm -hmm. tells us how much force is oriented forward into the amount of total force you, pr you produce. And that's the, that's the guy with the highest ratio of force we've ever measured, specifically at high speed. Wow. And so that was the, that was the, you know, the, 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 the confirmation what was striking is that um, it didn't have a very short contact time and it didn't have a very uh, high stiffness onto the ground. So he had a high stiffness, but compared to, we, we were lucky enough to compare him to other uh, best French sprinters at that time. And it was not really off the charts on these two variables. So what was explaining is, is really good performance because 992 is obviously a good performance for that level of force that was low was definitely the way he was applying it onto the ground. Mm. Interesting. With what was his like training background and experience? This is, this is also very, I think, um, uh, we never had the possibility to have a fiber typology measurement done on him, but I think he was a super fast oriented guy because he started really training for track and field at 15 years old. And he hit that 992 five years after that. And it never happens because if you take the curve, the progression curve of any sprinter that hit sub 10 seconds, you never have a beginning of the career four or five years before that. So he was definitely a really fast kid, definitely. Mm. And um, his background was multi-sports, uh, uh, team sports and everything. And he was basically discovered by one of the coaches of the club during um, a village fair that you, that you have you know, every week and they organized the 50 meter dash. And at that dash, he bet the, the track and field coach that was organizing the dash. And so he said, okay, there's something we can do here. And uh, five years after that, he was a European champion. 
Fantastic. And then I guess next I'll, I'll, I'll flip that story. Is there an athlete that on, on paper, so like some of their testing numbers, you would not expect to be nearly as fast and kind of a realization that an experience like that gave you? No, because uh, usually numbers make sense. And uh, usually a, a fast athlete has different metrics that overall make sense, you know? So, so, so it always makes sense. But in this guy, everything made sense except the, strength. the maximum strength metric. And at that time, the model, if you took all the sub-10 guys in the history, they were all pretty strong in terms of gym type of strength. Mm. But the question that this athlete uh, asked to everybody was, is it a cause or is it just there? Are they strong and fast or are, are they fast because they are strong? And he was definitely saying, you know, there's another way. And, um, and so you need to be strong, but maybe not stronger. And then and, and the model of uh, track and field people kind of changed. You see Andre de Grasse, you see, you know, some very fast um, uh, Van Niekerk from South Africa. You see some very fast athletes and they are not bulky slash, you know, leg press monsters anymore. So the big question that was asked by these guys is how strong is strong enough to be uh, in terms of maximum strength? Because this guy is super strong when his body is moving super fast. Yeah. You know? Strength is always a speed context. Mm. Definitely. If, if the end goal is speed, you have to ask about strength relative to speed, but not to go down this rabbit hole, but what, what is strong enough in, in your experience? I agree with uh, the numbers of uh, many coaches that have been uh, interviewed by a guy named Joel Smith in a very mm. good book that is Speed Strength. And they say that basically when the kids hit something around 1.3, 1.5 body weight at the half squat, their lower limb system is strong enough to, to, to be super fast. And uh, most of the coaches, there's no study on that. There's no research on that. But when consistently all the elite coaches tell you the same or agree on that point, you know, you can trust that matrix. And so... Again, uh, 1.5 body weight at, at the half squat is not given to anybody. You need, you need some, some work to do that. But mm. I think that's kind of a basis that will allow you to hit very fast speeds. Mm. But that, that's not the half squat that counts. That's how much force you can hit and produce when your foot touches the ground mm. less than 0 0.1 seconds. That's yeah. totally a different story. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the biggest missing variable in sprinting versus heavy squatting is ground contact time or the impulse or the time to, yep. to create the force yeah for sure you can be a monster if it takes you 0.5 second and after 0.1 you're not that strong you're not in the sprint context exactly if you're the exactly. opposite that's good exactly the, the the number that's been thrown around so I'm, I'm in a little bit different space like speed and agility but for like high school college athletes and of course you know 2x body weight squat 2.5 i've even heard before but uh, Matt Ray posted an article and he's in, you know, pro fo pro American football. Uh, I think he said anything above like 1.7, there's kind of diminishing return. So that number is slowly coming, you know, down and down over time as we know more and, and we get kids fast, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a direct diminishing return in terms of, of strength. I, I mean, being stronger is always, you know, is always good. 
I mean, why not? When you get old, it's okay if you're stronger because you will be strong older. And I don't think being stronger directly means being slower, but it's indirectly because of the time you need to develop that. And by definition, the time that you will need to train and the associated energy that you will put in and the fatigue to go from 1.5 to two times body weight at the half squat is by definition some time that you will not spend on developing everything else and especially the speed. So in that sense, there might be some kind of, you know, uh, non-efficient use of your training time exactly. to try and be stronger instead of, you know, faster. That's yeah. that's how I would summarize that. But I totally agree with with the observations of material. The uh, the the ROI, the the time invested, the fatigue accumulated from going three hundred to four hundred versus if you could spend all of that time just sprinting technique and like plyos and kind of all that stuff. So. It's, it's been fun to see, and myself as, as a young coach being in this space for, I don't know, five, six years, um, to kind of see that change. And speed is fun. Speed is fun for sure. And, and it's not only a matter of, um, of, uh, of um, you know, time. It's a matter of um, um, what will it take to go, uh, uh, I mean, two times or 1.5 times stronger compared to what does it take to, to become 5% faster? It's, it's totally different. Yeah. But you need to spend some time maintaining that level of, min, I would say, minimum dose of strength, but maybe not pushing it. But some people like gym numbers and, and big bars doing bam on the ground and so on. <laughs> and then when, when they get caught on the field, they're like, what, what happened? But we're the strongest ones here. Speed, speed is king. It's, it's, it's a, a good space to get into. I'm, I'm fortunate that where our coach yeah. is known for that. And that's my and lens you, you of have, coaching. You have to be very careful also with the mass because most of the time being stronger will come with additional mass mm -hmm. and mass plays a negative role in acceleration and, and, and speed. That's, that's pure mechanics. If, if all things equal, your body is two, five, 10 uh, pounds or kilograms lighter, you're going to go faster. So in, in baseball, because I was a college baseball player, there's a phrase, mass is gas. So you can put more mass and energy behind the ball. You can throw harder, but only to a certain point. Like there's some players that get in better shape, throw away harder. Some players lose weight and they lose all their velocity. Just their, their mechanics of just having the different weight distributions and stuff. So is there, is there ever a case where putting on a, a little bit of weight helps sprinters? I would say yes, if it's lean mass, you know, because yeah. mass is gas, but fat doesn't fly. You need <laughs> to remember also this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because most of the time, you know. So I would say yes, if it's lean mass. And if it's lean mass in the motor, in the propulsion muscles, not in the biceps, not in the triceps, Yeah. you know. So I would say yes, it's, it's useful sometimes, but again, you can put on some strength with limiting the hypertrophy and the mass, the, the gain in mass. So you can you can monitor and control that. Mm -hmm. I, I remember, uh, what was this? Maybe like eight years ago, Lance Armstrong, when he got cancer in a weird turn of events, that was actually one of the best things to happen to him because he was built kind of like a football player. Huge, just huge everything. And then 
Yeah. He lost, he lost all of the weight and the muscle. And then he rebuilt himself back up basically with a way smaller upper body. So it's just really interesting to kind of hear that story um, in his like autobiography. Um, To me, to me, the, the best shape, if you, if you gave me a magic stick and say, okay, build your body the way you want it to be faster, I would build a skinny upper body, Mm. even if it's not cool for, you know, beach, Instagram and show and so on Instagram. So skinny upper body, very strong, but not big core muscles and pelvis muscles and very strong, but not big uh, um, uh, thigh and, and posterior chain muscles and very stiff soleus and, and ankle muscles. And I would go with that. Uh, that that's going to be a pretty, a pretty fast animal. How many, how many athletes have you come across in your lifetime that, that fit that exactly? Well, directly, uh, uh, not many. I think Andre, Andre de Grasse uh, kind of corresponds to that. Uh, uh, Christophe Lemaitre, the French guy, in his first career period, because what happened after the 9-9, we didn't discuss that, but he never went faster than 9-92. Oh. Even 10 years after that, he won a bronze medal um, uh, in Rio, which was cool, but he was not faster because he did some strength work that put uh, uh, additional body mass. And so he went, you know, almost bulky with the shoulders and everything. But I guess Andre is the, is the one I, I could see uh, for my eyes uh, uh, that was uh, following this model. Van Niekerk is about the same. Um, back in the day, Jeremy Warner from, from the USA, the, the, the quarter miler, and, and these kind of guys. Usain Bolt is also close to that, but he's a bit taller. And, uh, but yeah, that's, the, that's the, the, I would say, I don't know if it's an ideal model, but I think it's a very, very efficient model. Mm-hmm. Basically, track and field should stick to the tights, but then just run in long sleeves, and then no one would want a huge upper body. I mean, we'd all be way faster. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's it's a uh, it's it's always been a, mis- a kind of mystery uh, mysterious thing for me. Uh, uh, why the hell are you? Uh, do you have some some uh, uh, trapezoid muscles yeah. so bulky? Well, is it just to uh, to I don't know, but I know it's hours and hours of gym and, and specific exercises to get this type of muscles. If it's just to run in straight line, uh, mechanically. Okay, there might be some aesthetic and, and whatever you want, uh, reasons behind, uh, which I respect, but mechanically speaking, it's a useless additional mass. Makes total sense, total sense, for sure. So that is JB Marin's coolest story, plus a little follow-up. So I want to say thank you for your time, and now I'm going to roll out the red carpet. You can shamelessly plug whatever you want to plug, where people can find you, what projects you got cooking up, just what's next for JB. Well, so the next thing is uh, is a pretty cool uh, PhD program that we're going to start with uh, Cameron Jossi in uh, Indiana University oh, football yeah. program. So that's going to be around uh, sprinting technique and trying to to make the players not only uh, push more but also run better, faster. So that's going to be a pretty cool uh, thing starting. And the next exciting thing is uh, all our projects around um, trying to test these capabilities in the players without doing specific tests, uh, but just by using the GPS data or data collected during training. That's, that's going to be the, the next exciting steps. And what are your social handles? So basically, my, my two main social handles are uh, Twitter, uh, JB underscore Maureen, 
And I guess it's exactly the same on Instagram. So I try to get more Instagram followers so I can, when they swipe up some links, you know, because yeah, until 10K. you get something like 10K followers, you yeah. cannot share things, which is very frustrating to me. Darn. So, yeah. So as soon as I get the 10,000 people, I can also share research and cool things on Instagram. Get JB to 10K. That's our goal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love you can it. do it. I love it. All <laughs> right. Thank you very much again. Thank you. Thank you very much.